Welcome to Business Aspirin, pain relief for business. Clint Junell has managed a restoration company in Dallas since 2008 and is one of the top drying experts in his region. Clint is also the co-founder of JobDocs, a software developed to help his team manage their overwhelming volume of projects. On the podcast, Clint brings together business managers and leaders to share with you how they have overcome their business pains and how you can too. And now, here's your host, Clint Junell. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Clint Janelle with Business Aspirin. Uh, today, I have with me Chris Fisher from Balefish Restoration. Chris, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for being on. Glad to have you on as a guest with us today. Glad to be here. Chris and I have known each other for a little while. In fact, Chris is, uh, in fact, a client. And so we've had a relationship and some chat, time to chat and do some other things and sat down at a table, even at a restoration conference together uh, and learned together. And that was a pleasure, Chris, being able to spend some time with you. And, and I greatly appreciate that. Likewise. So, Chris, tell everybody where you – well, at first, let me say everybody, hey, I am clearly not sitting in my office today. And the Wi-Fi wouldn't work well enough for me to use my computer and get everything set up. So we're doing this from my phone. Uh, we'll see what happens as we go through this process. Chris is fortunate enough to be the guinea pig on this, and um, and he's a good, good sport, so we'll be able to make this work. Uh, but, Chris, tell us a little bit about Chris and where you're at and – you know, what you do, all the fun parts of who Chris is. Uh, we are based in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, we cover the entire state of Ohio. Uh, myself, I am a proud father of six children, and the seventh is on the way. Um, of that mix, we Ooh. have one boy. So the rest are all girls, uh, including the uh, one on the way. So that one is, on the way is a girl also. That is it. So, man, that's, uh, yeah, I'm dealing with that's it. That's a lot to that's a lot to keep up with, brother. I've got three, right? And travel hockey and dance and baseball and all of it is just overwhelming. I don't know how you do it. So kudos to you for being able to handle that and do that well uh, and for being able to navigate business in the process also. But that's also something for people to pay attention to is life still exists, right? Even while we're doing business. And so we got to take care of those things. And it's not, it's not just that job ends when you go home. You got to still work when you get home. You've got a family to raise and you've got people to deal with. And those are important things for you to navigate as well. Definitely. It's a big part of our life. We we're active in sports as well. Uh, I have lacrosse, basketball, softball, baseball. Um, I have one in college that's playing lacrosse in college. So that keeps us moving as well. Yeah, um, I'm sure. But it, then there's some upsides to technology, obviously, with Phones and apps. Uh, it gives us an opportunity to continue to work on business while we're we're involved in family, but follow. You know, some of the sports have apps that you can follow. As that big of a family, sure. we're split in separate places, no matter what. Oh. So you can still follow divide and us. conquer. Oh yeah, uh, you can still <laughs> follow an event while you're not there, and, and kind of vice versa. So it, well, it helps. What uh, what sports are we dealing with? Uh, current season is softball is just wrapping up baseball. We're in the middle of travel ball, uh, that wraps up here at the end of July. And then the first week of August, we'll start, uh, lacrosse for my college age. It's off season training. So she'll start not much for us to get involved into until the winter or spring. Sure. Well, that's awesome. So let's talk about, uh, bailfish and let's talk about restoration and how did you get in the industry? Talk to us about, kind of your background there and, and what's going on and who Bellfish is and let's get into it. 
Balefish, the name, that's usually the first question anyone asks when they hear where, where does Balefish come from? It's a little unique and odd. My wife's maiden name is Bailey. My last name's Fisher. Two very common names when you when they're separate, but when we put them together, it just kind of stuck. We're family owned and operated. It's unique enough that people remember it usually when they see it. Uh, sure. It's unique enough that nobody's really trying to steal it. So I don't worry about copyright infringement. How I got into it is... Uh, Best man of my wedding was a an accountant for Surpro Corporate, uh, okay. and he decided to buy his own franchise. At the time, I was in corporate management myself for restaurant chains, PF Chang's being being the, the largest, um, and was looking for a change. Just was had found success, but wasn't rewarded. He bought a franchise down in Southwest Florida for Surpro and asked me to come help him get it started. Kind of ground floor up. Uh, so it was me and him. We'd go out market during the day. Some come in, we'd go do water mold. Um, not as much fire at that point. Uh, we did sure. a ton of water mold. We had the, uh, we were kind of newer a couple of years in and hurricane Charlie hit our area. We were in the Fort Myers area and that really was trial by fire. So at that point we learned pretty much everything we needed to know. Once our hurricane hit our, our backyard, we, we saw every part of it. So Rode that truck for about four years and decided to move back to Ohio, which my family was from. Came back to Ohio, got into the textile started start of our or part of our industry. So I was doing textile restoration. I was a sales manager for five states. Um, the owner of that textile restoration company also owned a structure restoration company. And he asked me to come on board on the structure side. So then I got came over to the structure side, learned the structure. So Kind of got to see really all segments of our industry, which is a, a little bit of an unusual path. Most just get into one or two. Um, that textile part, portion of it being the biggest one, not a lot get to be in that industry. Uh, yeah. So fast forward, had a couple opportunities, tried a couple of partnerships that didn't work out and got to the point that uh, I started Bailfish on my own. So, uh, And when, when did you start Bailfish, Chris? We officially started in 2018. I uh, kind of was doing it part-time. I was working during the day and the owner allowed me to do some side stuff on the weekends and, and evenings. He got to a point where he he wasn't going to be in the industry any, any longer. So I got laid off and I started Bailfish. So uh, 2018, we we're kind of doing part-time. 2019, February 2019, we really went full-time. I cashed out my 401k of a large sum of $2,700 and started Bailfish uh, was basically just enough to buy some business cards, a cell phone plan and incorporate in the state of Ohio. And we so were at that them. point, at that point in 2018, you had purchased some equipment, I guess, because you had been doing a little bit of stuff on the side. We were doing structure only when we started. So okay. uh, all I needed was a tape measure and a truck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Perfect. Uh, I subbed everything out at that point, you know, did all the sales, marketing, accounting, estimating, project management, but we were 100% subbed out at that point. Uh, so that the th giant capital infusion of 2700 Yeah, that 2700 bucks, man, makes a big difference. And I know that feeling, dude. I can tell you some <laughs> things about getting started where it's like, okay, I've got a couple assets, but I have $100 left right now. Okay, what do we do? Um, yep. But let's talk about that for a second, where like you went all in. Right. And yeah. in a lot of cases, people go, OK, I just got laid off. Now what? And, and they start going to look for another job and they don't really necessarily dig in fully to 
what is the next step, right? Like I got to find a job. And in your case, you went, no, 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 we're just going to take this thing full time and run with it. So let's talk about that for a second. Like the, the mentality there, the mental side of going, all right, let's go. Let's go time. Uh, I've always had it. I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Uh, I remember in elementary school, I, I started a, a slingshot business where back in the seventies, your curtains were hung by little hangers and I figured out how to make slingshots out of them. So I really had all that. Now all the curtains fell to the, the ground and I got in trouble by my mom, but I've always had that spirit. Uh, and and I, I believe in myself enough to just run for it. Now, my wife didn't believe as much quite as I did as we had five children at, at the home at that time. So it was a little scary, but it's just, I, I knew the industry. I believed in the industry. I believed in, with my background, because of, especially that textile restoration piece, my clients were restoration contractors and large loss adjusters. So I knew I had the relationships, but I had also seen what everyone did well and everyone did poorly and really thought I could build a company emphasizing what everyone was doing poorly and just do it better, really. So that yeah, was the a- focus. That's amazing. I think, um, and you've had some pretty good success, right? Like you, you're, you're doing well now uh, as a company. So Balefish has got um, some pretty good traction and you do really pretty well um, as a business now. And so even yeah. through, I mean, you got, depending on when in 2018 you started, you got maybe two full years, maybe a year and a half, maybe just over a year of operation. And then suddenly the world spiraled out of control and we had right. a whole pandemic. Yep. So Ohio, talk to me about Ohio through the pandemic, because Texas, you know, clearly restoration is essential business and what we're doing. We didn't like there certainly was a lull, right? It certainly impacted us, but we weren't technically shut down. So talk about Ohio. What what was the market like in Ohio during that time? We were fine. We did a we're considered essential. So the way Ohio did it was they had shutdowns for you had a, a really a hard 19 days that everything was shut down except for essential businesses. Then after that, they did a little bit of a soft opening um, where the majority of businesses were, were forced to shut down. I hope he catches something, by the way. I know. I know. Um, no doubt. Right. Like we'll, we'll let him know he's going to be on a podcast later and see what happens. <laughs> right. Amazing. So we were considered essential business. Now we did do the 19 day shutdown just so I could gather the right safety equipment, make sure we had enough hand sanitizer. We had a shortage of hand sanitizer like everybody. So there was guidelines you had to follow. So I, I took the, two, the, sure. the 19 days to shut down. Um, luckily, we're in a position we could pay all of our employees to stay home. Why I really, you know, use the resources and contacts to get the right safety equipment that we could get on every job site. So after that, really was was the same every day for us. You know, we had to go through some different steps as far as um, being in people's homes. Luckily for us, our business is about 70% fire related. So okay. most of the homes were vacant and people were living in other homes. So um, sure. So material was the wasn't issue. necessary. Yep. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah. So luckily we didn't. We grew. Uh, we doubled sales. 2000. So pretty much every year from 2018 till 2022 we doubled every year in sales so it's amazing um, man love it yeah so we're doing well we're up to now 30 employees starting from just me and twenty seven hundred dollars and twenty seven hundred dollars yeah i still haven't paid myself back by the way i should do that <laughs> well you need to get that back you'll be like where is my twenty seven hundred dollars i think that's important Collecting interest. So you've significant growth right significant yep. growth through a pandemic on a essentially a brand new company uh because you knew 
the industry. So tell me what's the most important thing that you brought into the business? We're outside the box. Um, like I said, okay. I really emphasize on what the other folks don't do and tried to find a way, you know, build the better mousetrap, as they say. So my, my industry in, in Ohio, it's very, it's a, it's a great industry restoration, but it's a little stagnant on some of the ideas that they, they do. Um, so now a couple of years down the road, I can kind of go through this. I used to keep it a little more hidden. So one of the first positions I hired was an interior designer. Um, that was one of the, instead of a project manager, an estimator, a salesperson, I brought in an interior designer. So being that we do so much heavy fire, uh, every client got to work with an interior designer, which just made them feel special. It's that HGTV kind of moment, um, whether it was a, a $60,000 trailer fire or a million dollar residential kind of commercial fire, they all got to work with an interior designer, made them feel special. Absolutely. Um, but it also helped bridge that gap that, that, that downtime between when you get the lead to when you get the permit, you got to wait on architects, engineers, so much downtime. It kind of kept the, yeah. the, the customer engaged in, yeah. in the process. Sure. Because the customers look at it and go, why is nothing happening yep. um, in this process? Then they, they believe, well, there's nothing going on on my home, although there's tons of stuff going on the back end they're not seeing. But if you have someone to engage them uh, and keep them in the loop, that's amazing. I love that idea. Uh, yep. We do a little bit of interior design work, but we don't have a, a staff person that does that. And not everybody gets it. Um, we have some that we deal with, uh, depending on the client and what's happening with the client and what's going on. But I like that idea. And I think that's significant. Beyond yep. that, not just the interior design person, it's customer care, right? It's customer engagement, customer care. And I think that's the bigger piece there that makes you go, okay, we're going to stand out because we're going to ensure that the customer has someone that is engaging them and making them feel special and uh, just at a different level than what you've ever, I don't know anybody in the restoration space that's necessarily doing that. And I know some, I mean, clearly you and I are part of a group together with core uh, and there are some big players in that space, right? There are, there are guys that are running $200 million in revenue uh, and it's amazing that, but I don't know any of them that are doing that. So that's a great little piece that even some of them might bring in. And it's funny you mentioned that. So we ran into, we were utilizing a, uh, as you drink out of your cup there, we were utilizing a, a project management software <laughs> in the industry, I won't name, um, that is not JobDocs, uh, your, your major competitor. I know, I know you know who that is. And when we were going through setting up our processes with them, they kind of have templated positions and a restoration company that everyone needs to have. And when I kind of went over, well, I have this interior design they, they didn't know what to do with it. Like they didn't know where to sure. put it in that, that task and, and where to put it in the workflow because it's, it's nothing that they had ever heard of. Um, so it, it really gives, but from a strategic yeah. now it worked out and this is where just business luck happened. It also where that interior design position became critical, not just for the customer part, but because of COVID the material issues that were ongoing within the country, that interior designer had two roles and that was, one, the customer part of it, but two is to work directly with the vendors that we, for our suppliers. So we knew daily what we could get and what we couldn't, and we could guide homeowners down that right path of going, Hey, this is available now. What this other material is available. We don't know when, you know, a year or two years. So let's, let's keep moving in this direction. So we didn't have all that wasted time chasing material sure. that wasn't available. So it really gave us a, a strategic opportunity as well that we never even counted on that just ironically fell into place. Worked out well. 
Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. You said like you do some things that are outside of the box and you can so see you made a mention of uh, another company and literally there are people in this industry that believe you can only do things one particular way. And they believe that their way is the best way and they don't allow you to adapt based on how you operate. And in your case too, like because of some of your background is you've made some of your competitors, your clients as well. Yep. And so much like this is one of the things that I talk about quite a bit, especially having job docs and having other restoration companies, even in the DFW market that are our clients and having to help everyone understand that this is a big space and there's lots of opportunity in not to view all of this as the enemy. Like everyone that's in the same industry isn't necessarily your enemy or they are your competition at some level, but you can do something special. And in your case, you've, you've turned that on its head. You said, look, I'm going to make you my client and I'm not going to compete with you for certain things. Instead, I'm going to make sure that I care for you. And then you do some things outside of the box to care for their clients, to make them even look special. Yep. And that's amazing. Uh, and amazing. the second position we brought in was, so I looked at the two biggest complaints in restoration. It was communication and the time it takes. Well, the time it takes, there's so many variables that are outside of our control. We, we did what we could to improve upon that. But then the communication part, part, the second position I brought in was a coordinator that their only job is to call every customer every day. That's all they do. Sometimes just to say hi. Sometimes it's, it's to give them whatever update they can give them but and document it so that they start at the top of the list, get to the bottom, go right back to the top. So every customer on an average was two to three times a week was getting contacted and that update was going in so that their adjuster, their property manager, their agent, whomever, their, their brother, sister, daughter, and uncle, everybody was in that, that process. So we could bridge that gap of lack of communication, which as you know, is a big one in restoration. Everybody's like they're forgotten. So um, those are those outside the box things that we jumped on that really were, were home runs for us. Yeah. So if there's a few days of no activity or a week of no activity on their house where they are wanting to go back in there every day and they're wanting to see things, they can't um, unless you have some tool to communicate with them or a person to communicate with them. That's part of the reason we even built job docs to begin with was because it was really difficult to communicate with person every day and make sure everybody was on the same page. And so a tool to allow us to be able to go, okay, my team can know where we're at. The client can know where we're at and the adjuster can know where we're at as long as the human element makes sure there's some kind of note or some kind of communication with the person to make sure that it's all there. And kudos to you for, for viewing the communication side, because that's exactly what it is, man. Um, and 95% of the problems in the restoration space still stem from lack of communication or failing to com- communicate clearly what really is taking place right. and being truthful with the client. You know, in, in a lot of cases, it is outside of your control. So tell them what is true because that's better than telling them what you think they want to hear and that not being truthful. That's my quote to customers that are getting, you know, on the edge or antsy is you can't accuse us of lack of communication just because you don't like what we're telling you. You know, that's absolutely, we're going to be honest. We're going to be truthful. We're communicating. We're over communicating. It's not always going to be what you want to hear. It's not what we want to hear. We want to get this done as quick yeah. as possible as well. We want, we don't want to run yeah. into hiccups and we're, we're ultimately contractors. We're, we're builders, we're producers. We, we want to see the end product. We take pride in it. All of my team from top to bottom to laborers, carpenters, to plumbing, HVAC, we want to see the finished product. We, we take pride in that. We're, we're truly, we hire for builders and, and people that want to see that. So we, we don't want to be here any longer than you do. And we don't make any more money if it takes longer. 
Nope. We lose money for every extra day it takes. It costs us more money. Yep. We want it done as much as you. Absolutely. For yep. sure. Chris, what is something you wish you had known? Uh, when I started? Yeah. The value of a controller. Okay. So, being for okay. the accounting piece. Uh, I took that burn on my, my degree is in financial management. So many, 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 many uh, years ago. Uh, so I tried to convince myself that I can handle that piece. And when it ended up every day at the end of the day, the last thing I would do is accounting and it just kept getting further and further behind. Um, so once we brought that final piece in, that was a, that was a pretty critical piece of, of a full-time control. The accounting portion, you know, it slowed down our receivables, slowed down our invoicing, slowed down our ability to file liens. You know, when we weren't paid, it slowed everything down, truthfully. Sure. Um, well, that know. was the thing for us. And it wasn't necessarily the controller side so much as not knowing where things were, mm -hmm. right? We just didn't, we didn't know where projects really were. We had to bring an entire team together, including our controller to understand what's the status and should we be calling for a second draw check in did we actually invoice for the content pack out that we did or the content clean that we did, or did we just forget it? Did it slip through the cracks? And that was one of the big things for us is we had to navigate making sure that things were communicated clearly to our team so that we knew where we stood and where our next step really needed to be. I think that's critical too. And, and you're saying that uh, at the same time in, ter in terms of bringing on the controller, because you can't do it all like, in, and you can't tie up everybody to navigate all those things together. Right. Nope. And when I finally got to stop and slow down, we, we had a, a two year period where we brought, we had an app about, and I, I say this for other business owners so they can learn from my mistakes. We probably had about $350,000 worth of supplements, legit mechanical open items in an estimate. We just never billed for, we paid our bills. We never yeah. invoiced it out. So mm -hmm. that is, that's a huge number. Um, you know, to, to let go through the, through the wayside yeah. that slowed down our, you know, we're growing as fast as we are, but that still slowed that down even more that yeah. you know, I could have got resources. To that controller quicker in, in certain aspects. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that statement because the reality is like I said that on a previous podcast too, is which part of the reason we had even built job docs as a system, because I know things are slipping through the cracks. There's, I haven't gone back to track it fully because I don't want to know hundred percent exactly how much we failed. Uh, Cause that's frustrating, but I'm telling you, I bet there was a couple hundred thousand dollars a year for a couple of years there that we did exactly the same thing. Everybody got paid for what we did, but we didn't actually bill for and collect um, yep. for pack outs or for, you know, other little ancillary things. Maybe we had, you know, duct cleaning HVAC system cleaning stuff done that we didn't, we just forgot to capture those little details and there was nothing to force us to remember it. Um, so we had to get together and sit down and have meetings in order to try to remember what we had done and make sure we were making notes about it. And then we were relying on the human element to make sure that somebody was communicating that back so we could bill it. And it just, we failed miserably. Um, so that's, that's, we solved part of that problem, but man, those are painful. You know, those the other are thing we really, yeah. The other thing we really, uh, on mine, I didn't know. I could have never dreamed you know, when I started this in 18, where we would be right now, never, never in, in my wildest dreams. I knew I could go out. I knew I could do it. I knew I could feed my family. I didn't know where the, the future was going to go. So I'm the opposite of, I was watching David with Bill where he had everything kind of lined up processes designed. 
procedures design. He, kudos to him. I had nothing. It was me and, and a whole lot. Of, I, I talked to some other folks at, at some different conferences. I built this business on hustle, grit, and grind. That That is 100% what it is. And every day I tried to solve as many problems as I could, but I probably should have had a little more confidence in my ability to build a substantial company or a, a, a sustain a sustaining company and put some processes and procedures. Cause now that I'm going backwards, trying to establish those for employees that are already in place yeah. and operating for two, three years, it's, it's more of a challenge to implement, you know, we can sure. all sit down in a room and write them, but implementing them is, is the challenge. Yeah. So yeah. Follow, follow through stuff like to have to backtrack and, and do something different is, certainly difficult. So yes, if you guys are listening to this, like it's, I didn't do it either, Chris. I didn't build all the processes either. I started building processes once we built a software tool. But what I did was when I brought people on, um, I taught them how to do everything the same way I was doing everything. Cause I thought that's how you were going to grow. Yep. And I hated the corporate world. I hated the rules that were behind all of that. And I've kind of railed against that side of things. And so I taught one guy how to do sales and marketing and collections and estimating and billing. And I mean, I taught myself how to do all that. Then I taught him and then I taught another person. And then we grew enough that it's like, okay, wait a minute. We can't keep up with all this. This is too much. There's too many jobs. There's 300 plus jobs a year going on right now um, with different people doing different things. And you can't do that. So if you're listening and you have the opportunity, create some processes. Um, And we've got some tools to help you create processes. I've got sheets that'll show you how to do some of those things. Chris may be willing to share some of his struggles in regard to process, but we'll, we've got resources. So reach out if you want some information about how do I build processes? How do I build a process for touch points with clients? Or how do I build a process for um, my staff on mitigation or safety processes or any of those things? Um, there's resources available that can help you navigate that. And that's why we're here. That's the whole reason we're even doing this podcast is to help you find solutions to business pains. And so if you need help, reach out. There's ways to get in touch with us. Do that. Um, and you know, you can hit me up either at Mr. Restore, which is my restoration company or job docs, which is a software company. And, um, Chris will share your contact information if you're willing to help anybody along the path and we can kind of navigate that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So that's a great, rather people learn from my mistakes. Well, I mean, don't, don't do it again. Right. Like you and I have already failed at some things because we were stupid and we didn't like, I think you're like me at some level where you kind of, me, I didn't want to learn from anybody because I wanted to go against what the system was doing and what the industry did, which you've kind of gone that same way too, where you're like, eh, the system's broken. Let's do it a little bit differently. But at the same time, there's knowledge out there from some of these guys that are really, really capable of helping you. And they're not your competition. You've got to figure out that this isn't about your pride and those kind of things. This is about being successful. So swallow all of that and ask for help because there are guys that are really talented that can help and will help because they've been successful and they failed. It's funny. So, you say that. Great, one, of, great point. one of my most humbling moments in, in this business was, so there were the, the textile company and then the, the sister company that the same owner had, which was structure. Uh, he's a 50 year restorer. He, he goes back to the, to the early days of restoration. He, he is a well-accomplished, you know, master restorer sort of back in the CR actually sort of, Certified restore before they had the master. So very accomplished. I have a lot of respect for him, but very old school 
the way the way this all got started and it's this way and this way only so when i started this company i was kind of anti anything that he would do you know i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna have unlimited pto i'm gonna you know the the margins are are important but they're not the end all be all. just everything he did I, I thought you know i could do this better and my humbling moment was about three and a half years in i found myself having conversations with with employees and I'm implementing the exact same things. And I, I just I turned to my wife and I, I get it now. Like I, I get yeah, why he was doing now. Everything he was doing wasn't necessarily our, our personality and we can do things different culturally, sure. but sure. there were some processes he had that I, I kind of <laughs> like my kids and, and me as a parent, I go, Okay, now uh, I get it. I'm I'm gonna have to, uh, to swallow my pride on this one. And he did understand a few things better than me. So um and I have a couple employees now that have worked at his company. He's been around so long, most people in our industry here have worked for him a time or two. And uh I just we we all shake our head in a meeting when we're implementing something, we all look at each other that worked over there and just go, eh shoot yeah he was right (laughs) you could you can whatever whatever his name is you can name your process implementation after him like we're gonna do a whatever we're we got to do a dan or whatever his name is right but i resonate with that so much like i remember going okay i gotta build an employee manual and just freaking hating it going oh okay this is why they have those in place okay (laughs) i see Okay. I hate this, but I got to do it. And like, I've learned and I explained to my team, like, look, I hate this, but I understand why we have to have it now because we can't all just be doing our own thing and be able to be successful and have growth. And and I can't touch every project anymore. I can't see everything you're doing anymore. And so we have to navigate it that way. And I think that's great. Yep. So let's talk about what current pains are you experiencing? Probably that, my team adapting to those processes are, are the biggest ones. Uh, most everyone that works here, I've known for years. I have relationships. They came on in those early stages as we really exploded in that growth. And it was very wild, wild west, you know, screw the man kind of thing. Yeah. We're going to beat the system. And and now that we have to implement some of those, some of them aren't adapting as well. And and that's difficult for me because these are people I've known for some of them, sure. even before I was in restoration, they worked for me in my former life of, of corporate management. So uh, some of that's been a challenge of getting them to understand and buy in. And that's significant too, right? Like we've had full podcasts that were about, you know, the staff and the team being able to buy in and, and culturally being part of your group uh, because they can be insanely successful at their particular job and what they do. But if they can't buy into the processes and how we're going to have to move things forward, it's tough. Right. And so you've got to be able to navigate some of that and help walk them through that and transition them into the new processes and making all this stuff work. And I think that's I think that's beautiful. Yeah. So what how, how are you overcoming some of that right now? Tell them to shut up and do what I say. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Smack. I just no, trying to I get walk it. them through, you know, trying to really build into my team is, is very, very loyal. Um, and just trying to leverage that loyalty of, of, look, I get it as well. This is a hard transition. It's hard for me, you know, hold me accountable when I'm not following the processes. Cause I'm kind of a, a like you said, I'm a, I'm a lone ranger out, out here and just doing, doing what I think is right. Um, so I'm encouraging them to hold me accountable and, sure. and just rely How's on that? each other and that loyalty. Of, that going? We're, all go, we're all going to go through the pain together, you know, of, of yeah. change and, and adapting. Has anybody held you accountable? No. Yeah. See, that's tough, right? 
because they don't feel like they can. And I, yeah. it's difficult to create that culture. Where it's like, like legitimately, I need you, like I need help on some of this because I'm going to want to do things the way I've done things for forever. And if I need to change what I'm doing, if I need to, you know, be smarter about whatever safety related or making sure that I back my vehicle in, cause that's one of our rules or which I do that pretty regularly, but you know, like, tell me like, Hey, like, look, dude, uh, and it's tough to get them to buy in on that because you're the boss, right? And I can't tell the boss. Yep. I don't want to get in trouble. Yep. What have what one, is, have a coordinator that she's like, so I've known her before I was in this industry. She used to be my boss, which is kind of, kind of the, the reverse. And now she works for our company and she'll on occasion will kind of nudge me, but outside of that, not many of them are pushing me the way I would like to see them. So, yeah, sure. I occasionally have them hound me a little bit about loading receipts um, or something <laughs> like that, but that's kind of the extent of it. Like, Hey, you need to get your receipts in. I'm like, I got it. I'm, I'm, I'm on it. And I try to be respectful of it and like do it immediately. Right. Because mm-hmm. I built systems for that to happen and I'm asking you to make sure that it happens. So yeah, do that. Hold me accountable. Yep. So that's your business pain right now. What is, if you were to look at something right now and go, there's, there's information I need to share in developing a business and growing a business. Is there something specific you want to share with anyone? For me, a real critical thing, and it's kind of, it's loosely tied. I had to have the buy-in of my family. That was a big part of me because I knew how much it was going to take. I'm an all in or all out sort of personality. So I knew if I was going to do this, I tried it with partners years ago and it just didn't work because again, my mentality, it's, so I knew I was going to be all in and I really needed my family to be okay with that. So we sat down and had a long conversation about, Hey, if I make this run at it, I'm going to go full, full steam. And it's going to, it's going to wear on, you know, we have a really close family, but it's going to take me away mentally, not just time, but you know, when I'm at your sports, I might have to email, I might have to take a call. I might have to this and that. So that was important to me for that startup portion. So if, if it's somebody looking to start up, I, I can't stress enough. It's important to have that, that behind you and have them we'll really sit down with them. We sat down and kind of had a family meeting and went down and, and I outlined what it was going to take from, from me and thus them it's sacrificed on their part as well. And if they wouldn't have been okay with it, then, then I wouldn't have done it from my wife to all my kids as well. So, and I'll tell you like from that perspective, and I love hearing you say that um, my family grew up in it, my kids, right? My wife had been around me a little bit in different service industry things. And so she kind of knows how I'm wired, but like, it still sucks when you got to go to work at 7 PM on a Friday night and you're supposed to be having dinner. And like, it's not fun for anybody. It's not fun for my staff to have to do it. I'm aware that it sucks. I'm aware that it's not any good. Uh, it's the decisions that we've made. My kids grew up with this is who I am and what I did. Um, and so it's pretty normal for them and they kind of understand it. But like right now, literally, I mean, look, I'm in Red River, New Mexico. Um, I'm supposed to be on vacation and we're doing a podcast because this is what's required in order for us to try to make our businesses grow and do the things that we're trying to do to grow a business, help people, help our families, all those things, right? It's what it is. Yep. And my family, so my kids, especially my older, so I have a 23, 18, 17, 11, 10, one and a half, and then the one on the way. So the older three really grew up with me working in it and they know the response and and they've sat in a truck at 3 a.m. at a fire, you know, but it wasn't me owning it where you have all the other hats that you respond. You're responsible to make yeah, sure, sure. we're getting paid. I take it personal that makes sure 
everyone that Balefish touches is is earning a living to feed their families and, and they get paid first and that type of mentality. So I knew it was going to be a different level of it. So it was important for me to have that buy-in from them. But yeah, 9 a.m. on Christmas morning this year when the, the big freeze happened in the United States, yeah. I was the first call and, and I was out the door and that, yeah. that's a hard to follow. And yeah. we kind of have a mantra I've raised my kids by and it's we don't wish for it, we work for it. So I've kind of instilled that philosophy and that value in them that we just we live it. We don't just say it. So they, they respect yeah. it. It's still hard on them. You know, uh, yeah, it's still hard. That's, that's kind of as I look across my desk, my 11 year old wrote a bunch of inspirational post-it notes last week so i'm, I'm kind of looking at all those but that's beautiful uh, yes I yeah mean, that's so really the point for all of you that are listening to this is like it's hard and if you're weak-minded it's really easy to quit and in a lot of cases i'm aware of a lot of companies that that they had they were on trajectory to be really successful but it got hard it got a little bit scary and they couldn't sustain the stress for a brief period of time that probably would have launched them into a lot of success. And part of that is family stressors and financial stressors and all those things. But to have a support system behind you that says, let's go do this is significant. And I love hearing you say that because I think that's important for all the entrepreneurs to hear is you're picking something because there's another pain, right? Like in your case, you got laid off. So there was a pain point that said, okay, now I have to do something. And in a lot of cases, it's really easy to just go back to another job and leave all of this stress of payroll and caring for your staff and ensuring everybody has something going on and deal with clients and being the one to ensure the phone is answered at 3 a.m. It's easy to leave that to somebody else. So if you want to be successful and an entrepreneur, you have to buy in fully and you have to be able to dig in. And I, Chris, I love hearing you say that because I think that's a significant part of what it's going to take to have success in business and to grow and develop. Yep. And, it, and you hit it right on the head. It is hard. It's exhausting. We had a mentality of the first really two and a half, three years of, I would tell my wife, oh, I just got to get to tomorrow. That's it. If I can get to tomorrow, then, then I get to the next tomorrow and the next tomorrow. Financially, you know, there were days that my team didn't know this, but as anyone that's, you know, there were days that I'm scrambling around it, trying to get every check I could deposited by midnight so that it would clear by 8 a.m. and I could make payroll that day. You know, that's just yeah. the way, you know, my wife would go, why are you going out to collect this check two and a half hours? Because I, I have to, I, I need to get to tomorrow, yeah. you know, so yeah, I need it. Um, you know, that, that's the way the grind was the first couple of years, because again, that $2,700 didn't really go very far, um, so, <laughs> sure. but that doesn't that carry you very far into the future. Yeah, we didn't have a bank. We didn't have a line of credit. We didn't have, it was just hustle, grit, and grind. So it's hard and, hustle, and it'll and push you to your max. And, it, and if you don't have the support system behind you, if you have a family, that's even a bigger stressor because you're, you're worried yeah. about your family, how not just financially how it's going to affect them, but from their happiness there, you know, I don't want to ruin my kids and, and then feel like they didn't have a father right. growing up, always working, but exactly. You know, but there's a lot of perks to it. You know, they, they get to enjoy the things of life they want to enjoy as we've grown and become more successful. You know, they get opportunities that we wouldn't have had five years ago, you know, just because the business is growing. I got to take sure. my family to California to a conference that we'd never been further West than Chicago. You know, we're from Ohio. Right. We drove right. cross country to, to the, the conference you and I ran in. And so we drove from, I took all the 
I took my younger kids. My older ones were in college. They couldn't go or high school. We drove across the country. We saw a beautiful country. Those are opportunities that if we weren't doing this, we wouldn't have had. And we spent, you know, four days driving there, four days back. Um, it was incredible. You know, just one-on-one time yeah. to seeing the, you know, the USA parts that we never knew existed. So, yeah, I mean, you get a lot of opportunities to do this. It's hard. It's difficult. It's rewarding. Um, it's all the things, right. And that's what makes doing it so beautiful uh, is because, yeah, like I, I'm fortunate enough to be able to go to a lot of my kids hockey tournaments because I can do podcasts from wherever I can answer the phone. I can coordinate projects. I can talk to clients. I can talk to adjusters. I can do all the things that I'm typically going to do because my team is spectacular and they have my back to support me in all of that environment. And, and you've got the same thing and that's beautiful, man. I love it. Yep. And that's the other thing. If you're starting out, find a, try to find some kind of associate, whatever your industry is. Restoration is great because we have a couple peer groups. Try to find a peer group, whether it's local, statewide, national, that with, with social media, the upside is there's all kinds of forums, you know, Facebook, there's probably a group for everything. Find somebody that you can just vent to the the headache and you'll find out that, that you're not alone. They're going through the same things. And that's why I kind of reached out to you and complimented you on your podcast. I've been watching a few of them and, you know, you hear these other business owners talk about the same pain points that I've had and realize that I'm not alone. You know, I sit in my, my four walls and stress over it and to hear other people who are successful say, man, I, this, this, this yourself, you know, just sharing these stories and I had that same problem. I had that same problem. You start to realize mm-hmm. that, you know, you're not alone. It's the same challenges everybody's facing. You just got to keep pushing through it. And, and there is a light at the end of the tunnel. That's right. That's right. And that's, it's perfect. And it's not just small business. It's not just us. It's the Walmarts of the world and Amazons of the world and FedEx and all these guys have struggles and things that aren't going the way they would hope they would. So don't give up just because of that. Persevere, press through that. Yep. Chris, I want to be respectful of your time. We're, we've certainly passed our 30 minutes that we were going to, to be chatting, but I appreciate the conversation. Is there any last little thing you want to say? That's our mantra. Don't wish for it, work for it. That's it. Don't wish That's for it, work for it. I love that too. Yep. And so everybody out there, let's get to work because we can't just wish for it. We got to work for it. Chris, yep. man, I appreciate you being on. Thank you for taking the time to uh, spend some time with me this morning. And, and I think it was spectacular. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. This has been a Business Aspirin, pain relief for business podcast. If you're a business owner trying to overcome your business pains, follow us on Apple Podcasts or visit our website for more information, job-docs.com.